welcome to Unprofessional. It's another episode, and I'm Jamie Newberry, still, and also <laughs> still. <laughs> it's Dave Whiskus. Are you here, Dave? I'm here. I'm here. Well, I mean, I'm here. I'm not there. Uh, you're, you're, you're present, I guess. I'm on the call. Yeah, you're on the call. That's a better way to say it. Well, we have we have a guest. Who is it? It's Jason Snell. Jason, are you there? I continue to be Jason Snell. Hello. (laughs) (laughs) Awesome. The triumphant return of Jason Snell. I was on episode eight for those uh, people who are uh, the the hardcore unprofessional fans who have the unprofessional compendium that details every guest and everything they said. Look me up. I'm on page eight. (laughs) (laughs) I love it. That was before my time. That was early days. That was that was Those, that was back when it was that, early. that was back when it was like Dave and a hobo. <laughs> the very That's funny we almost days. called the show that. Right. Dave and a hobo. But the hobo Dave. proved to be unreliable. So and yeah. unprofessional if we might say. Had to had to get rid of him. Yeah. Hence well the for the for the people who are new to the show, um Jason, you were you were the previous the hobo. You were the you were the hobo's boss. <laughs> oh, I, I wasn't saying Lex. Previous... Was, Lex wasn't the hobo. The hobo pre- predated Lex, and it didn't work out. Oh. And that's why you had to go with the hobo. Yes, I was oh, Lex's. I, thought... I was Lex's uh, boss, and then he quit. Uh, so I couldn't fire him anymore. And I I am in some ways I suppose the genesis for unprofessional in the sense that you guys wanted to do a tech podcast, and for some reason I decreed that uh, if people were doing tech podcasts who worked for me, they should probably do them for our company, which publishes tech things. I'm, yeah. I'm you know, I'm not sure whether that was a good policy or not, but, it, you know, it turns out it created unprofessional sort of uh, by you know, requirement. And so that's not a bad thing. It created a constraint for us, yeah. which is kind of what we needed, because, I mean, did did we really need to do a tech show? No, Probably God, no. Not. Does anybody? Because yeah. there clamoring? are a few of those out there. Well, just I a few. <laughs> ends up there's a couple yep well but, uh, J- jason for for the the people um wh- wh- where do you do i uh, i do a few things i am the editorial director at idg um which publishes macworld uh, pc world uh, tech hive Greenbot, a whole bunch of enterprise it publications that i'm not in charge of i'm charge of the, in charge of the consumer uh, editorial group and uh, so that's my job. Before that, I was the editor-in-chief of Macworld for many, many years. Um, and then in my uh, personal time, spare time, Copious free time. I am also uh, the guy behind The Incomparable, which is not, not just a podcast, which it is about uh, geeky pop culture, but it's now basically a podcast network. And we've got a bunch of sort of spinoff podcasts that we do. Um, so I, I'm doing that too. <laughs> your podcast, your podcast has spinoffs. It does many, several, and Man. more and more are coming. It's uh, out of control. Actually, I might have a problem. Oh, this is fantastic. That is fantastic. It speaks so well of the podcast community and the podcast. I don't want to say industry. That's the wrong word. But uh, community, the podcast. Uh, the, we don't have a good word. I don't think we. I don't think there's a good word. The, the current state of podcasting. The, podca- well, the current state of podcasting. Podcastosphere. No, let's right, the, just, yeah. Oh, I like that. No, no, that's, it's terrible. The oh, communa podcastosphere. Yeah. Mm-hmm. The podcastosphere. things are, are, are progressing in this way because it doesn't, it doesn't, we tried to follow the model. I say we, we tried to follow the model of, of the TV and radio where it, it became more of a network model. And that kind of hasn't played out the way we thought it was going to. Yeah, I you know, there podcasting. There's so many things about it. I mean, like, first funny thing about podcasting is that there was that moment where everybody thought it was going to be big, and it kind of didn't take. 
And right. and then there was this fallow period, and then it started to pick up momentum like a few years later. It was just a little too early. And, you know, it's interesting because some, some companies I feel like, I mean, Apple's a good example of like we're all in at the beginning. They're like, yes, podcasting this is a great idea. And when it didn't go anywhere right away, they're like, okay, it's not going to happen. We're walking away. And now, you know, it's starting to happen. And a lot of those companies are sort of not paying attention because they already wrote it off. But yeah. I think what we learned a lot, right? We learned that it wasn't quite what we thought it was going to be. And the tools are different and it's hard. They're difficult. It's hard for, for people. My mother-in-law ad- asked about podcasts last weekend. Um, and, th- and I thought, well, that's interesting. But she was, you know, she wanted to listen to an NPR podcast. She was struggling with it. Mm. And this goes back to that, you know, the idea of the network that network has some effects, but it's not quite the same as programming a TV network. I mean, it might right, be like right. you may also like basically, but it's not, you know, it's not what we thought it was going to be. It's it's different and we're still figuring it out. I think it's fair to say that the whole podcastosphere <laughs> uh, is still trying to figure <laughs> out what it wants to be when it grows up. <laughs> if you can say it at all, that's, there's bonus points in there for you. Some of it is the language podcast sphere. No, just the word podcast itself is a stupid word. It, it sounds <laughs> yeah. it sounds dumb, it sounds dippy. It's hard to take that seriously. If I tell people I have a show. Right. That sounds interesting. If I tell people I have a podcast, that sounds like I hang out in my mom's <laughs> basement and record Dungeons and Dragons with my friends. I do that. Well, not in my oh, which I was going to say that's in that's, my garage. That's I do that, but <laughs> but um, yes, you know, internet. They, we could have called it like internet radio, internet on right. demand radio, internet radio, something like that, and used radio, which people understand. Uh, my friend uh, Tim Goodman, who writes for the Hollywood Reporter, likes to call podcasting radio without the listeners, which is not bad. <laughs> um, and you know, it, it is right. Podcast is a weird word, and I, I like it, or at least I like the. You know, I like the medium. I love the medium, but I, I, you know, it is one of those many things that goes into having podcasting be like weird and hard to understand. And it's so great that it's a real, it's a cry and shame that the tools aren't better, that it isn't easier to discover them. It isn't easier for regular people to listen. And part of that may be that the name is an impediment. It's totally true. Well, it, it sure as shit ain't easy to make. A yeah. Podcast. Well, it's That's easier true. than, it's, it's easier than making a, like a, broadcast radio show maybe but right right but i mean there's a there's a delta between blogging and podcasting where you've got tools on the blogging side you've got tumblr at the very least bare minimum you can walk into tumblr and have a a blog going in 10 minutes podcasting requires a little more effort i mean yeah even just posting them is more trouble than a blog right there is no blogger for podcasts right now i mean libsyn is sort of the closest thing so you can you can kind of do it and then there's making the podcast and having it sound decent and everybody it's a little bit like um like doing video on the internet it, it's you know it can be crappy and some people will listen but there is sort of a bar that's been set in terms of sound quality that we all just sort of come to expect from radio and things like that and if you yeah. don't cr- clear that bar um you know i think you're going to severely limit your audience too plus you got a schedule if it's not just you sharing your innermost thoughts to yourself <laughs> and then broadcasting beaming those out over the interwaves um you know if it, you got a schedule and you got to record and you got to have a microphone and all of this stuff and it, it is and then you got to edit it, presumably, and all of that throws in. So it's not, it's it's a lower bar. I mean, everybody seems to have a podcast. It's a lower bar than it used to be, but that's mostly because sure. you don't have to have your own radio station. That's pretty but much it. Also, also look at the look at the quality of podcast right now. I think that everybody has a podcast. They're not all good. 
It's true. Oh, I agree. I agree. There's a lot of these are thrown together. A lot of them are not produced shows. They they have like some kind of loose format, but they don't they don't they don't like re- revolve around a premise. And a lot of it is people. It seems like who cast themselves as a personality or cast themselves as a pundit. Yeah, the the, the quality bell curve is definitely. Um, they're just like it is, I think, for almost any medium, that, especially one that doesn't have a gatekeeper. Although even, you know, even commercial radio has terrible programming that they put on at two in the morning <laughs> or on some station that doesn't have a budget. But you're right. And sometimes people who are really great content creators, there's a podcast by some TV critics that I like that I was really excited when they announced it. And then I listened to one episode and I had to stop because uh, it was unlistenable because it was just so terribly produced or you'll have those where it'll sound good but there's no format and um it's infuriating to listen to so it's not always the sound quality although for me sometimes it is the sound quality Uh, there are lots of ways that it can be bad and there but there are also some really great ones and that's the amazing thing is that people who um you know would never get a uh an audience and would never have an outlet because what they're writing about or what they're talking about is so esoteric on a podcast, you know, you can do it. And some of them are, are fantastic. I mean, I don't think John Syracuse would ever be a radio host, right? <laughs> and yet he's, but he's really good at what he he's does. He's great at podcasting. He's great yeah. at, at, I mean, and he, he says that he's, you know, he, he doesn't like speaking off the cuff and he hates that he makes mistakes and he likes to be a control freak, but he's really good at, in that medium. And that's just, you know, he would never, uh, we'd never have discovered that without this medium. He is super listenable. And for a guy with that voice to be described I know. as super listenable, it speaks to how interesting he is mm-hmm. as a, I'm, I'm kind of poking at him a little bit there, but he's, <laughs> that's a guy, he's, he does such an amazing job, and he he otherwise may have never even tried that. Well, his personality shines through, and I think that's the I, fundamentally the reason I love podcasting is that I think I feel like people's personalities shine through in a way that um, blogging and words on a page, whether it's a screen or a piece of paper, um, don't. And I the the kind of response I get to podcast stuff after having put words on a screen or on a piece of paper for fifteen almost twenty years. Um, I can tell you, it is a whole like order of magnitude more response to podcasting. People, it's like a different part of your brain. I really believe when your prod, when your when your brain is processing audio, um, different parts of your brain light up. And I think it has to do with community, uh, feeling like it's a it's a person that you're listening to. They're part of your world and they're part of your community. And I think that's the power of podcasting. And and that's something that as many words as I've written over the years and as much nice feedback as I've gotten for stuff that I've written, it's not the same. It doesn't have the same kind of almost emotional uh, and visceral connection to a person. And, you know, John wrote those OS 10 reviews for all those years and mm-hmm. was famous for them, but he wasn't like a personality. He was just sort of the name on the label of those things. And now people like right. feel like they, they feel like they know him really well, even if they've never met him. They, I am sure they come up to him at WWDC and say, John, you know, close personal friend, John Syracuse, <laughs> all of that. But that's, that's because the podcasting I, I really makes a connection like a movie or a TV show or something like that, that just reading words on a page does not do. It feels like you're you're listening to a conversation between friends, and maybe that's colored by the fact that often when I'm listening to a podcast, that's exactly what I'm doing. <laughs> yeah, me too. <laughs> uh, and and there are moments where, um, like, I'll be listening to the talk show, and I'll want to, I'll, I'll go to interject as if like I'm just I on know. a Skype call, and I have to like flip that switch in my head, going, no, 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 this is already recorded. Yeah, I was list- I was listening to the talk show the other week, and it was uh, it was. Uh, 
John and, and Mike Montero, and I know both those guys. And then they mentioned me, and I was like, "Gah!" <laughs> it's like the craziest <laughs> thing of all is the way my radio is talking to me now. <laughs> yeah, I think the, on this week's show, um, there was a, a, a thing, uh, this week's talk show uh, with Dan Fromer as the guest. Something got mentioned about Vesper, and there's there's a thing like john is my coworker. we make that thing together but for him to mention on the it's a, it's a separate context and there's still a thing in my head that goes off that like there's a flag that goes up yeah dial in on this because somebody on this show you're listening to because it, it's still a separate entity mm-hmm. it's it's media it's it's uh there's a celebrity that gets attached to that it doesn't matter if i know the people or not if if i hear it on their show then it feels like it's a different world it's a, it's like seeing it on tv yeah it's that, it's that like i was saying i think it's literally the way our brain processes things you know there's this there's a lot of conversation about like how many people can really be in your in your not your like internet social network your actual like human being social network like we're programmed One. based on like tribes well you know <laughs> you dream dare to dream two three um, but we, we've got like the small tribes of people that we just sort of the way we evolved and and the way that our, our social skills have evolved and i think podcasting and tv and movies and, and fame actually um comes from people filling those slots who you don't actually know but your brain doesn't have like a, a different kind of slot for a person you watch on TV. It's got like people you know who are in your community and people you don't. And I came to this conclusion because I was at Comic-Con a few years ago and I was in a hotel lobby and a blonde woman walked by and I went, oh, I know her. And th- and I then I thought about it. And I was like, how do I know somebody who's at Comic-Con? And then I realized it was Juliet from Lost. <laughs> and I, did, I don't know her, but uh, my brain was like, that's a friend of yours and it's my TV friend. But that was, you know, I, I, I really believe um, that all of these kind of uh, uh, non-written media kind of do that. They do something. They, they scratch an itch that, um, that just reading words on a screen doesn't. Well, the, there's a similar thing that happens like when you're at a WWDC or any conference, really. You, I go into this like pattern matching state where everybody I see looks like somebody I know because my brain is in the mode of, well, that guy looks like so-and-so probably is so-and-so. Right. Like I just keep everywhere I look, it's more people that I recognize, uh, more people that I know. And then there's like the last day of a conference at when people start leaving, if you stick around for a day or two, for me at least, my brain still does that. Sure. I'll see people on the street like that guy looks just like Mike Montero or that guy looks just like Jason Snell. You know, whatever. And it's probably not, but you know, you're you're in that you're in that mode. Do you ever um try to match people to Twitter avatars cuz I do that at at conferences and things. I'm like I, I think I know who that is because they sort of look like their Twitter avatar, which is you know, not great. Well, you know, this happened with you and me. Oh, really? oh that's right. Where at Singleton. At Singleton, I knew I knew there was this guy I'm I talked to at conferences and then there was also this guy Dave Whiskus who did unprofessional and was on the on the Twitter and on the internet and things. And I I had those people both filed as people in my little Rolodex in my head. And then at uh, Singleton the guy from the conferences walked up to me and said with Dave Whiskus from the internet's voice, hi, I'm Dave Whiskus. And I had that moment of like, whoa, 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 wait a second. You're well, you, Dave Whiskus? I, well, let's, <laughs> let's, uh, let's dial back on the story a little bit because what happened is I came up and I was chatting with a, a group of the Macworld folk at, at Singleton right. and, uh, you were there and I said something to you and you were 
pleasant. Like you weren't rude to me, but it was a it was a different level of recognition than what I would have expected. And so I came away, and I'm thinking to myself like. God, he was kind of a dick to me. Yeah. What what happened? We had we had what, what we, happened? We, we we know each other. Why would he just give me the generic hello? And then I think it was like Lex grabbed me or something after that. And there was the oh, I realized who you are. <laughs> <laughs> I think I think I had a moment where I said to Lex, "Wait, is that Dave Whiskus?" And he's like, "That's Dave Whiskus." I'm like, "Really? Yes, really." And in I just real I, life. That's the only time that's ever happened to me where I've like literally had the same person in these totally different slots of internet and real life, and I've actually known. Who I've I've known them enough to file them in both those things and just never connected the two. Just never did. That was bizarre. It was a weird moment. It was fun for me to go from wondering, did I do something to piss him off to immediately getting an answer to that question? Yeah. That's right. No. No. I, I don't think I was mean to you, right? It was just that you expected no, 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 a level no, no. of recognition that I didn't provide, right? <laughs> well, let me say when I say recognition, I don't mean like, don't you know who I am? But it was more like a really you don't? Like not right. because I'm famous or something. Well, we're, but we're in a room with like several hundred people I don't know, right? So I, we've I went on podcasts together. Exactly. <laughs> You're another Exactly, guy. right. We had done episode eight. <laughs> Again, please refer to your manuals on page eight of the unprofessional source. <laughs> Material. Yeah. So, Jason, Jamie, you guys have never spoken before. Correct. Never Not until this episode. Here. I've heard your voice many times, <laughs> and I have heard yours, and I've seen your name and your Twitter avatar, and see? all of these things. And see, this is one of those things too, where the avatar expectation. Most of the time, people are very disappointed because I'm not wearing that <laughs> hat. Oh, I thought I thought you meant people are disappointed not in your avatar, but in that we all put up these pretty pictures of ourselves. Oh, and, and then, then we see each reality. other in real life, and it's like, oh, oh. <laughs> like a bad, a misleading OK Cupid profile or yeah. something. Yeah, you don't go yeah. around with a fuzzy hat that's going down. I don't unless it's actually cold, right. you know. But yeah, but I do work in that hat when it's cold outside. So it was a legitimate photo with a legitimate wearing of the hat. It just happened to be the only photo. We talked about this, I think, on our last episode about the photo. It's the only photo that I have of me. So that's what it was. That's what it ended up being. Yep. So yeah, a lot of <laughs> disappointment around that when I meet people. Where's the hat, they say. I don't walk around with red pillows and bedroom eyes all the time. <laughs> don't you, Dave? <laughs> well, I don't walk around with red pillows. Okay, there you go. <laughs> I just had a fantastic uh, image of the really fancy shirt that you might wear in the future with pillow collars. <laughs> I'm going to make that. I, I'm going to start it. It's going to be a thing. <laughs> you know, so, Dan, Dan Morin has his Twitter avatar he's had for many, many years where he's got the little plastic green lantern ring and his Boston Red Sox hat. And mm -hmm. um, it's funny because he's had it for so long now that I look at it and I think, oh, it's young Dan Morin. <laughs> <laughs> he doesn't look like a... Like Guy English's Twitter avatar. Yeah, if you if you if you wait long enough, it becomes sort of like a historical document. Guy English's <laughs> Twitter avatar is disturbing because there's that hand on his neck with the, the yeah. like the French nail manicured hand on his <laughs> neck, um, and I never noticed it for the longest time, and now I can't not see that that there's somebody back there. That's exactly what you've just done to me now. Yeah. I didn't know that was there. Oh yeah. And now well now that picture will be with is you forever maybe. now. Yep. What's crazy, there's a, there's a really great picture of Guy that I think John took a couple of years ago uh, that I, I wound up using in my slides at, at Ool when I was talking about Guy for a second. I just threw his picture up on the screen. Uh, I don't know why he doesn't use that as his avatar. I don't know. Maybe, I think that sometimes you just like attach to that as a, 
a moment of like that's how you see yourself or maybe you think that the you've used it as your avatar for so long people freak out like, when you change your avatar right because it's like uh uh it is it's part of your online you. personality like on twitter <laughs> and then suddenly <gasps> wait a second you're not you anymore i have I, somebody i follow was a was like a an illustration or something for a long time and now suddenly they're a person and it's really disturbing because i expected <laughs> them to be a sketch for the rest of their lives and now they are a photo of a human they came to life it's weird it's weird. I did I did that in the early days of Twitter. At one point, I went on vacation and I changed my Twitter avatar to a Hello Kitty for a week, just <laughs> just really to troll people. And people were really upset. <laughs> They're like, "What? Why did you do? Who are you? What did you do with Jason?" It's like, "I'm just uh, Hello Kitty this week. That's all. What's your problem?" That's it. It's okay. It's okay. I'm a little concerned about it ever changing mine, just because it's recognizable mm-hmm. and. I feel the same way. I know I need to change mine. I feel like I need to change it. It's from like 2011, but I'm nervous to do it. And I don't know what I'm going to use in its place. Yeah. Yeah. Because it is a little part of your, you know, personality. It's a, it's a silly little thing. And yet people in that Rolodex in everybody's head that, you know, they've got this little symbol of you. It's like, I can imagine that this is who this person is and you change it and it's weird. Yeah. What have we done? Yep. So WWDC is next week. Yeah, yeah, that's uh, happening. Let's talk lots, Apple rumors. Lots of facial no, recognition um, <laughs> is going to happen there. Let me tell you. Yeah, it's it's the social part of, mm-hmm. of the. This is the week that I spend the whole year training for socially. <laughs> I'm not going. You oh, the, officially you're not. I'm going. officially not going. So oh, yeah. why? Well, I thought we were going to put stickers on things and and leave tacos outside of people's rooms. Yeah, well, yeah, I, you're doing that actually. Dave. Yeah, you're, you're doing that on alone. Your own. Yeah. All alone, all alone. I'll be there in spirit. No, I just, I'm traveling the week after and I have kids and, you know, so it's just, I try not to travel too close back to back, um, if that makes sense, when, you know, as a single mom. So, yeah. Well, that's no fun. Yeah. So I'm home with kids and their summer starts exactly next Uh, week. So, yep. That'll do it. So, yep. So you won't, you won't have to go through the trouble of facial recognition. (laughs) Nope. Nope. It seems like so many of my problems in life come down to my ability to recognize or not recognize uh-huh. other people's faces. And I don't mean in like a, a that who's the guy who the guy who can't rec. There's a yeah fuck. It. Oh, the man, the man who mistook his wife for a hat. That guy. <laughs> I have no idea. Do you know? What that oh, is. that's a famous Oliver Sacks wrote this book I think called The Man Who Mistook His Wife for a Hat, and it was about a guy who had had brain damage, and it was specifically the catalog of. Um, of uh, of facial recognition, the ability to recognize faces, and 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 right. like they would show pictures of people, and he was supposed to identify them. And the famous example is they showed a picture of his wife's face, and he said, "Is that a hat?" Because oh. he like literally can't just couldn't see face. He could see people's bodies and things, but the part where we um, process faces was was gone, and he couldn't yeah. he could just couldn't do it. That's the extreme. Yeah, there's uh, somebody, and I, I know like Brad Pitt recently, I, I want to say joked that he might have a mild version of this because he has a hard time recognizing people, but it's that, that, yeah, that where your brain, you can look at a face and the versions I've heard is you look at a face and you can see those are eyes, that's a nose, that's a mouth, but they don't click in right. your head the way that they would for you. There's not a recognition of the person there. Right. And uh, sometimes it's not that, but I feel that way. I feel like I'll walk through a room of people that I've seen a hundred times and I I just couldn't tell you who any of them See, are. See, I'm really I'm really good with the face recognition. I'm just terrible at remembering names. That's my problem. Yeah. 
And that's and that's actually Dave why I didn't uh, know who you were is because I remembered your <laughs> face and I remembered things about like meeting you and chatting with you at other kind of uh, tech events. But they I had no idea. I, who I had not was. filed away Dave Whiskus along with that information because I'm terrible at remembering names. Yeah. Yep. Well, I was extremely offended for like twelve <laughs> seconds. You should never invite me on your podcast again. <laughs> <laughs> oh. Uh-huh. I'm, yeah, the that part of the social interaction. I mean, WWDC week is going to be a series of social interactions. There's not a lot yeah. of downtime that week. Yeah, I always, I always feel, um, I always feel bad too because there, there's like different kinds of interaction. There, there's the like for me, WWDC week. I've got. Um, people I know pretty well who I don't see in person very often and I want to spend time with them. And then there are the people I know in the industry pretty well. And, and it's one or twice, once or twice a year, I get a chance to see them and I want to, I want to spend some time with them too. And then there's people I know in passing or I see on the internet and I don't know them very well, but they're there and we run into each other and those are nice conversations. And sometimes you end up being, uh, you know, closer and you follow them on Twitter and you chat with them more and they become more close friends. And, and there are all these different groups and trying to balance out the time. Like, you know, I could spend, the whole week with the Macworld people who fly in for the event because I don't they're my people and I don't see them very often but I can't I got to balance that with you know all of these different groups and the podcast stuff makes it or or media stuff in general makes it even worse because the people who are known by the large group now have kind of a large group who want to interact with them and they've also got their like friends and stuff and that's you know it's 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 a challenge because you want to I mean, I would play WWDC back like five times if I could, because there's so many people I want to see and have conversations with, and there's just not enough time. Yeah. Jamie, how do you manage that? (laughs) Well, in terms of meeting other people or like, I don't really get a lot of people who actually want to meet me. So I I don't know. That's not true. No, I mean, like, I don't know when you give a talk or whatever. I, I I don't know. I don't. I'm quiet and I hide in my room a lot. Well, so no, no, we, it's not like we're we're saying that you stand around in San Francisco that week and people just come up and shake your hand. It's you go to all these events. Sure, you go to all these things and you're just gonna like naturally meet people. Sure, and and you do, and you know, and it's I I don't know I um you do you have to distribute your time because there are people that you want to hang out with that you know already, and yet it like part of the sort of awesomeness of going to events is meeting new people um, and, you know, learning about new people and hearing their stories. And I think, I think one of the hardest things I run into is trying not to work. Like if that's not to sound stupid, but like, <laughs> like, you know, people always want you to give them UX advice or, you know, review something for them. <laughs> like, do you ever get that? Oh yeah. yeah. That and that's why I started, that's part of why I started doing these design reviews. Yeah. So when people say, Hey, I'm like, yeah, sure. Here's, here's the link to the page for, for how to set that up with yep. me. I think that's a great idea. That's, um, yeah. Cause you end up doing like a couple hours of work sometimes like right with one, one person. And that happens quite a bit actually. And then you're, separate it from like the group of of activities and things happening i am still guilty of sometimes somebody will come up to me and just like stick an app in my face and i'll look at it and i've just got like a hundred thoughts pop into my head and i just start spouting them off yeah and you you get into it i mean it's it's not hard to get into like looking at something with somebody and um you know just general genuinely interested but yeah (laughs) you want my thoughtless opinions about your hard work absolutely (laughs) let me dish those out Oh, uh, anyway, so yeah, how do I handle it, I guess, was the question that you asked. I, I, yeah. I don't know. I just go with the flow. I don't really have a plan. Um, you just kind of figure it out as you go, I guess. 
Do you guys ever hit just peak social where? Absolutely. Like where I have to go in my room and hide. Well, even I, I feel beyond that. I, by Wednesday or Thursday, I just want to go home. Yeah. That happens to me. That happens to me the first day usually, and I got to power through <laughs> it. And then, and then I find a happy medium, and then it's totally. Um, and some of that is just stimulus, I think, because when I go yeah. to when I when I go to Comic Con, I go to things and I write articles and all of that. But after a couple of days of that, I just can't even bear to see you know a crowd or to even see a lot of people because it's just too many people and it's too much stimulus. That totally that totally happens. Um, and the more for me, it's more crowds. Than it is, you know, if if all WWDC was was kind of rooms with five to ten people sitting around a table chatting, I could probably do that for a long time. But there, it's I inter- totally agree. Yeah, like it is hard when it's it's crowds. I I feel like yeah, it, yes. I didn't mean to cut you off because you got no, you got to totally navigate them right. That. It's like it's so weird because you know. Yeah, you got to navigate them, and you got somebody talking to you, and you're starting to think, well, I want to give this person some time, but you know, I I've also feel like this conversation's run its course, and neither of us is saying, I'll, I'll talk to you later, and moving on to the next thing, and it's loud, and your voice starts to get shredded, and there's just so much of that that um that's that for me that's a that's a lot harder to take than you know this is that um. It's like your personality profile where they say, you know, what would you rather have be at a party with a lot of people or have dinner with a few friends? It's a little like that. It's like I I um I don't mind going to parties with a lot of people, but they are more wearying for sure. Yeah. I I hit a point where I just it's like, you know, I love all of you and I would I would stand here and talk forever with all of you. The trouble is that I would do that. And I know yeah. that I would do that unless I force myself to go somewhere else. And that's why I end up staying until Saturday and hating myself for it. <laughs> but I will say my my I've got tricks that I use during WWDC. Like magic this, this, tricks, this, this, Dave? Yeah. Tell they're, tell us your they're magic. Called illusions. <laughs> you hang up a shirt with puffy puffy collar? It, <laughs> Is there illusion, a rabbit Dave? involved? The final <laughs> countdown. No, I uh so during the day, I don't attend the conference itself because I'm not a developer and uh, I can watch the sessions later for all of the designy and uh, relevant developer things that I need to learn. And I'd rather let people who do write code go to those sessions because I'm probably going to be staying up late and drinking and being social and not wanting to wake up before noon anyway. But during the daytime when, when all the smart people are in sessions, I, uh, I like to sit at the Samovar Tea Lounge mm-hmm. in Yerba Buena. Huh. I'll sit out in the sun. And just chill, drinking my tea, lemonade. Most days, that's where you'll find me. Just in case you were wondering where you would find Dave Whiskus during the week. <laughs> uh, so yeah, during the week, you spot a guy sitting there that you're like, is that? Yeah, come over and say hi. Office hours for Dave Whiskus. Yeah. We'll I think held. you should ra- hang red pillows on a little thing <laughs> behind you so you're extra identifiable. Smart. Yep. I don't, I don't think the audience for the show is so large that I'll be, um, I'll be mobbed or anything like that. But yeah, if somebody, if you're listening to the show and you're going to be at WWDC and you see me at Samovar and you want to come over and say hi, please do. Offer only valid for people with val- with good uh, face recognition in their breath. <laughs> and people with good breath. Sure. Because that's a, that's a thing. I just throw that out there. I mean, I'm not, I'm not saying that I'm going, I don't want to like make assumptions one way or the other. I just want to, I just want to say, uh, so pro tips for people who are going to WWDC, uh, hygiene, mm. hygiene, <laughs> hygiene and hydration. Yep. Those are the two most important things. What kinds of stuff do you guys plan on doing out there? I mean, anything specific while you're out there, that, like specific parties or specific, or do you keep that keep that under wraps and just fly by the seat of your pants? 
Well, for me, this is a conference where I live and work, which is the yep. worst because I, I can't. I have to like get in my car and drive home at the end of the night. <laughs> so uh, that limits you don't get you don't they just give like you uh, they don't give you a room. No. Oh, no, and and I and honestly, that would make it worse, right? Because then I would, because I I don't I don't love um I like traveling. I don't love being uh, traveling on my own. I I have been mm. married for almost twenty years. I got two kids. I I I uh, I would rather sleep in my own bed at the end of the day. But the downside of that is that yes, I have to drive home every night, and it's a different thing. You know, going to Mel's Diner at two in the morning when you just have to go back to the hotel is different than if you have to drive half an hour back to your house and then get up the next morning and come back in. So it's it's, that, that part is hard for me. So I I, I end up staying up. Um, you know, I stay up uh, late-ish, but by WWDC standards, not. Like, I, you like know. 8.30, 8.39. Well, no, it's not like Lex Friedman bedtimes. <laughs> uh, that's crazy talk. But, but no, I mean, I'll get I'll get home at 11 or 11.30, and, and that, that which is very late to get home after work, essentially. But it's not very late for, for WWDC, where people are out until 2 and 3 and 6 in the morning. So... That's for me. That's the challenge: is how do you pack that that time in and and not uh you know while still having to balance being at home and I'm gonna miss a couple of my kids things because I have to be there that week. Um, just there's stuff, there's parties and and other, other stuff that I need. To go to. <laughs> Sorry, I had to miss your little well, league no, game. Like my son, I had a party. My son has this like wax museum thing where he gives like a thirty second. And and my daughter, I missed my daughters. They always have it during WWDC week, and I've never seen this thing where they give a little speech and and they stand in front of a, a diorama that they did. And I work with him on the speech, and I work with him on the diorama, and that's all great. But I can't go because it's happening simultaneous with the MacWorld uh, party uh, mm. because it's like a. You know, that day at five o'clock or something, it's like, well, you could come home early. And it's like WWDC week. I can't. I can't come home early because I'll either be at a party or I'll be writing or something. Yeah. We need to have a talk with these schools. That's what we need <laughs> Seriously. to do. Seriously. No events during WWDC. Well, Seriously. we need to have a talk with Apple about scheduling their developer conference uh, at the end of the school year for everybody who's a parent. But I know. You know. Seriously. Like, give it a give it a go to the end of June. I think we'd be fine. Yeah. It used to be later. Now it's yeah, not. It keeps creeping up, it seems. Wasn't it the second week of June last time, last year? Or did I? I missed it last year, too. This is this is slightly early. It is slightly early. It feels early, yeah. Uh, not that bad. Normally, WWDC, my birthday happens during WWDC, and this time my birthday is right after I get back. When's your birthday? June 8th. June 8th. Yeah. I'm getting old. Yeah, you know, I listened to your old. Since we're, we mentioned his name a couple of times, your old buddy Lex has his uh, has his daily podcast, which is like one man's descent into madness a little bit. Where it's like I will do a podcast every day until I go insane, <laughs> and he's done like I think a hundred of that guy. I'm I'm worried about. Him. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I know I know that, but he did a whole episode. You know, he talks for five minutes. It's not like it's a big production, but um, he did a whole episode about how he's feeling old and how his you know his is he like thirty now? He has aches and pains. He's like thirty two or something. I get to yeah. the end, I'm listening and I'm like, yeah, man, I tell tell me about it. Boy, it is bad getting old and all that. And then he comes to the end and he mentions how old he is, and I'm like, screw you, Friedman, because <laughs> he's like <laughs> you were. He's like ten years younger than me, jerk. Yeah. It's like give it, give it six years. You have Lex. no Come idea. Wait until you're in your forties, then uh, you, then you start feeling it. And then there, meanwhile, there's somebody out there who's in their sixties who's just laughing and laughing. At us. I know, right? Like Young you people. guys, babies. Yeah. There's always an older fish. <laughs> yeah, but thirty. <laughs> but th- you know, Lex is not is not old, so he needs to shut up. 
Yeah, old. <laughs> it is. It is crazy how your body changes over the years. Like how your body mm-hmm. responds to life over years is quite amazing. And yeah. When you're that, young, you you sort of feel like I mean, people always say, "Oh, you feel like you're immortal." You do feel like you you are your body is a self replenishing system. Like everything, you know. Well, <laughs> it'll be you know, it's bad now, but in a couple of days, it'll be fine. And then yeah. when you, when when you're in, in in your 40s, I can I can say from personal experience, you start realizing, oh no, it doesn't self replenish. It wears down, and then at the end of that, it's it's out of tread, and you die. And you can sort of yeah. feel it, like like uh, that's not going to get better, right? That's the there's a Louis C.K. routine about that, which which is he hurt he hurt his ankle and he goes to the doctor and the, the doctor's like well you could stretch will it help N- not really well how does it get better well it's not going to get better ever well it's what if i was an athlete you're not <laughs> right and it's like there's some truth to that it's like i've got some aches and pains in my body that i'm probably always going to have now and that's just how it is sad oh. yeah well this is is this why people do drugs maybe one well there are many reasons this might be one it's possible okay. i don't know I'm, I had last week, uh, I was out last Wednesday with friends, local iOS people, and we went out, we were out pretty late. It was a, it was a night of drinking. The next day I, I felt a little hungover. I just didn't sleep very well. And uh, by the end of the day, I was, I was violently ill. Like it got worse. It was like, it's, I started a little hungover and by the end of the day I was just way worse. And I don't know now if it was just a slow onset, awful hangover, or if I got food poisoning in there somewhere. But my weekend, my entire Memorial Day weekend, uh, up through Sunday at least, was just me in bed with just just feeling terrible. And that was a moment where I thought either I'm dying or I'm getting old, which is still kind of the same thing. Probably a combination of both. I'm definitely dying. I just don't know how fast at this point. Exactly. But I spent Monday, I walked up to Central Park with uh, my friend (laughs) and our our, uh, former guest, Philip Bowden. We walked over to Central Park and we wound up accidentally wandering into the Central Park Zoo. And... uh, we just said screw it, bought zoo tickets and some dippin' dots and looked at some animals for a while. <laughs> dippin' dots. That was a moment where I felt yeah. like if if I can if I can wander into a park eating freeze dried ice cream on a bright sunny <laughs> You're day. You're still young. Or at least young at <laughs> heart. I'm so glad like, that story went the way that it did because when when the I got the sequence wrong there and and I had you already in the zoo when you said screw it and I thought and then we then we jumped into the panda cage or something like that. I was like, oh no, Dave, what did you do with the zoo? You just no, went no, to the no. zoo, just on a spur no, we with dipping dots. With dipping dots, it's beautiful. Yeah, Memorial Day, Central Park. We walk down this path and it turns out to be the path that goes to the Central Park Zoo. And we get there and we realize we're there, and we just said we. We don't want to turn around. Let's let's look at some red pandas. I love it. See, those are the things that keep you young, right there. Dipping dots. I yep. don't know. I like that. Oh, guess what? I have a I have a keep you young story. Very brief story this morning. Um, on my almost daily walk, we ran through the sprinklers. Some sprinklers were on. We decided to run <laughs> through them this morning. So that was fun. That's how life should work. It really, yeah, spontaneous and fun. Can't wait to do it again. I want to go skydiving. Have you been? Oh yeah, yeah. Once. I've I've been once, but three jumps in the one in the one. Have you been, Jason? No, Would not you interested. Go? No. no, no, no. That that's never been. Yeah, I I I I I don't even know how to respond. <laughs> Nobody's to iffy on the subject no, of skydiving. No. It's true. Nobody's like eh, maybe. No, everybody is either I want to or I, never. I just don't feel the need for that. That uh, whatever thrill might come of that, I I just yeah I don't need it. And and the amount of. Uh, nervousness and hesitation and I mean I could I this is the, this is always the question is like if I was on the amazing race and they made me jump out of an airplane or do bungee jump or something would I do it sure I'd do it do I feel a desire to do it 
no. I just I don't I don't I don't think I'd get much out of it. And I I would there are other things I'd probably rather rather do than jump out of an airplane. I don't know. It's good. I enjoyed it when I did it. I did it three times, and then that was that was it. I've never been again since. I think I was 19 years old when I went. And when I say I want to skydive, I don't necessarily mean literally skydive. Stuff like that. I want to do crazy stuff. I want to do the things that, I don't know, I just, I have moments where I'm sitting at home by myself and I'm thinking, what am I doing? I need (laughs) No, I I get that. I'm at least one awesome story short of where I want to be right now. I get that. I mean, I want to go, I want to go places. I want to travel to interesting places. Um... Uh, the, you know, again, I, I don't need to jump. I don't need to go to Australia and jump out of an airplane while I'm there. The going to Australia, I, I'm, I, I want to do and things like that and have, having experiences like that. Absolutely. Um, but for me, a lot of it has to do with with travel to just seeing interesting places on the on the planet. That's what I enjoy. I, I have to say, even um, I don't know, a couple of weeks ago, my kids went to their dad. So my boyfriend and I, we just went to Zion National Park and he had never been he's from the East Coast and it was just a really cool experience I hadn't been there in probably 10 years and um, but stuff like that like I enjoy so much I mean I, I used to do a lot of adventure sorts of like thrill seeker sorts of things like skydiving and crazy mountain biking and um, I don't know stuff like that but now I'm more in it for like let's go on a long drive <laughs> I don't know maybe it's age but mm-hmm. I just enjoy that sort of experience where you're um, well I guess just an experience no that isn't how what life is a, a series of experiences of experiences yeah but I, I don't know I do I enjoyed like the traveling thing I do like I don't know getting out but I also like staying in I'm I'm a big fan of staying in. You are multifaceted. This is this is the give <laughs> Not and take only going out. <laughs> but also staying this is the give and take that my wife and I have where when we go on vacations that you know she she I think if she had her way um we were just in Hawaii a few weeks ago and and if she had her way I think she would have had us doing you know, packed schedule, like every day we're going to go through the rainforest and we're going to go on a hike over here. Yeah. We're going to go snorkeling over here and all of that. And I like doing that stuff, but I also like the, we're going to sit on the beach and I'm going to read a book for four hours and yes. dip in the water and all that. Cause for me, that's, you know, that's also a thing I need on my vacation is to, to, you yeah. know, read a novel on the downtime. beach and, and get some downtime and it's got to be a balance. I, I like it when those it. things happen spontaneously. I don't like a planned trip at all. When I was in Ireland for Ool, the last day after the conference, before I headed back up to Dublin to fly out, along the way, I stopped with a friend at this place called Devil's Glen. It was just sort of woke up and it was, what do you want to do today? And I said, I want to see a castle, a sheep, and a waterfall. <laughs> you come to just the right off place. off the top of my head. Ireland, you got it. <laughs> Doable. <Right. laughs> And so we go and we see a castle and we see a sheep and then we go to a place called Devil's Glen, I don't know, an hour or so south of Dublin. And uh, it was rainy, which, you know, Ireland, and, and there's nobody else there. It was kind of a park. I don't even know how to describe it. There, I don't think I've ever seen anything quite like it in the U.S., but you, you, you park and there's a, a trail that you walk along and it just gets more and more. It reminds me of something out of Mist or an Indiana Jones movie or Romancing the Stone. Like you got the rain coming down and there's a river running next to you, but you're sort of up on this, like, uh, I, I would say cliff, but it's not a cliff because there's there's trees all the way down. You can you can hear the river more than you can see the river. And it was round trip, a six mile hike to see this waterfall. Oh, nice. And I would never do something like this. <laughs> like I would never sit down and say, well, I'm going to Ireland. I better take a six mile hike to see a waterfall. Right, that like a scheduled thing. Yeah, I think. But as a as a spur of the moment deal, 
perfect, exactly what I would want to do. And it wound up being one of the most amazing experiences of my life because it really was like walking through mist. They had these weird blocks carved out of the stone that had strange messages in them that didn't make any sense or mean anything as along the walk up. Like one of them said, we have lost the dog. And there was another that, that carved into the, the, the wall of the, the I'll say mountain, uh, was a sign that said, too tired to continue. I think I'll sleep here tonight. Nice. Just weird, bizarre were there, things. Were there puzzles you had to solve along the way? <laughs> it felt like there should be. I mean, walking through it mist, like, right? Survivor. Yeah. And we get up to the waterfall, and the the rock right in front of the waterfall, carved into it, says, when we find the ring, I'll propose. <laughs> nice. I tried Googling it on the internet to see if anybody knew what this was all about. It was just other people talking about how weird it was. There's no explanation to be found. Wow. That's cool. I think that's pretty fascinating. Yeah, it's a good experience. But you, I could never, I don't feel like I could have ever planned that. That had to be a wake up one day and just go do it experience. Oh, I think I think that's kind of how it should be. I don't not that I object to people. There are some people who really, really do like the scheduled thing, and I, I appreciate that. But yeah, I tend to if I've got stuff scheduled, then I just feel disgruntled about it and like <laughs> mm-hmm. don't want to. Do, I don't want to participate. So yeah, I, that happens to me. Schedule fatigue. Yeah, yeah. I don't want to do it if it's scheduled. <laughs> <laughs> I'm like, no. Anyway, yeah, it's a little bit. You're just a rebel. That's your problem. Uh, well, it sound, sounds like you might be too, Dave. Yeah. And Jason, yeah. you want yeah. some downtime. Sure. I just, I really appreciate it. And the older I get, like, the more I appreciate some downtime. I just, like, I enjoy just, just being sometimes. I want to do stuff. I just don't want to have to do stuff. Well, yeah, maybe that's it. Yeah. You know? That should be the title of my autobiography <laughs> that I'll never write. The Dave Whiskus story. That would be the <laughs> subtitle. The Dave Whiskus story. I'd get lazy. The entire title would just be the Dave Whiskus story. Dave Whiskus presents the Dave Whiskus story by Dave. Whiskus. Well, the introduction says, um, "I only want to do things I want to do, and not." And, and I didn't want to write this book, and then it's just blank page, blank pages. <laughs> it's, <laughs> it's actually a, a journal. Yeah. You know, <laughs> notes. It's a journal that comes with a picture of me on it. Yeah. This the, like the, uh, field background? notes or something. Exactly. <laughs> Dave, Dave Whiskers autobiography is actually just a foreword <laughs> on the inside front cover of a field notes book. <laughs> or or it's a one inch ream of three hole punched paper in a, a, a trapper keeper yeah. with my photos. Oh, man, that's trapper perfect. Keeper. I love it. Trapper keepers are so rad. <laughs> Remember those? Jamie, what I love about you is that I knew that's where you would uh-huh. go with that. <laughs> it's memorabilia, Dave. I love Did you have the the Lisa Frank trapper keeper? Oh my gosh, I swear I had a trapper keeper with a unicorn or a pegasus on it. I'm really really pretty certain of that. I think I have the classic sailboat. Oh, the sailboat. <laughs> yeah. Was it an airbrush styled sailboat or was it just like a picture a picture. Of a sailboat? Yeah, I think it was a picture of a sailboat. I I I want to say I think my brother might have had that mm. one. <laughs> <laughs> it was like it was like literally you just take whatever trapper keeper you could get because they were hard to come by. They were. They and were so, very yeah. popular. Yep. I remember the, the poor kids had peachy folders. They well, had what? Peachy folders a- proceeded. No, so it turns out that the, the peachy folders are, this is all regional, like different parts of the country like didn't have peachy folders. But in the West Coast, I think peachy folders were very, very popular. And yeah, my, my memory okay. is that the peachy folders were just the older generation. They, that was the, the uh, before there were trapper keepers, there were peachy folders. Which are you know little, uh, little organizers? They were like you know heavy stock, 
organizers yeah, with, a, yeah. with a where you could tuck papers on the inside, but they weren't uh, super awesome like a trapper keeper. And the artsy people, the artsy people, or the really smart kids, all had uh, the Mead composition books. Oh yeah, I know. with that with that black and white pattern on the front. Oh, I always, oh my gosh! So I googled the trapper keepers. I found I found the one that was mine. It's the clouds with the rainbows and the hearts. That's the one I had. I was thinking there was a unicorn there, but I probably just had folders that went inside. This was my trapper keeper. Oh my gosh. <laughs> Somewhere out there, somebody's listening to the show going, oh my God, I had that same <laughs> trapper keeper. I guess that's the Lisa Frank. Wow. See, I didn't even know. I was right. Wow. You knew me better than I knew myself. Or, or at least your taste in trapper keepers. Yep. As a <laughs> third grader, nine-year-old Jamie's taste. And I would pick the same one today. I Yep. <laughs> I would. That one or the palm trees. Oh, that was a good one. Yeah, all the a lot of the boys had a had the red sports car and I I I never I never was into cars like that. So they'd be like, "Oh, I got this cool red sports car." I'm like, "Whatever. I got a sailboat." The you know. sailboat's great. So see, my brother used to slice the plastic and put his own drawings inside, like of yeah, Eddie yeah. Iron Maiden. That's smart. Yeah. It's like trapper keepers were the precursor to iPhone wallpaper. <laughs> Yes, your customization options. It's kind of the same thing. I mean, most some people will put like a picture of their kids or something as their wallpaper, but a lot of people just go with one of the the options given to them. I do. I use the stock Nebula wallpaper. Hmm. I just use the black. I mean, I I have. There's the difference, like the behind the icons screen, but then there's like the when you turn it on screen. Like when you just click the button. Yeah. Wow, yeah. I sound really technical right now, don't I? <laughs> I have my very own where, you know, when you slide to unlock screen, um, I have my very own screen there. Yeah. This is so not a, a technical thing that this this even counts as not talking about technology. Sorry, I'm going to fire Lex for that. <laughs> He's not even on the show anymore. He's fired. That's it. No, I've got pictures of my kids on the lock screen. And I try to, it's a picture that I've taken, but I try to have it be like a, 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 a landscape or something i've got like a picture of flowers i took in the boston public garden on my ipad block screen so it's not generic i i do personalize that just like slicing open the plastic in the trapper keeper that's it that's that's what we've done here we've uh-huh. sliced open the plastic on our trapper keepers put our own picture in so much easier to do these days yeah and in the future when they sing songs of our generation our our grandchildren's grandchildren that's what they're gonna say of us you know there's the greatest generation and the lost generation we are the trapper keeper generation I gotta look at this. I remember peachy folders, and I have a vague. It was like a football guy. Or yeah, something. there's tra- there's a there's like a girl playing tennis and a football thing and track guys, and then you would deface them. You would draw all over them. This link actually has people. It's some of it's drawn in. Yeah, yeah. that's. Or yes, you'd write like word balloons, these. and you'd be like the guy would. But my leg is broken, and all of that on the yeah, peachy. Because <laughs> they were just so cheap looking because they didn't it was like have clip, officially licensed yeah characters. it was like clip art from the 50s <laughs> put I on these it. things and then they just they just made them and and this was the 
there's a there's a story somewhere somebody did like the ultimate story of the trapper keeper and and this is the this is the, an example of like the same stuff just generation after generation like this and then at some point somebody had this idea to do the trapper keeper and it blew this peachy folder out of the water trapper totally, keeper they, 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 see that's how you disrupt an industry <laughs>